You know, I'm thinking that some of you haven't looked at your calendar. And you got up this morning and you thought this was Easter. Have you looked around at the crowd? I'm telling you, this is an Easter-like crowd. I'm good to have you. I'm glad to have you. Listen, you know, you know how to tell when the worship team has done a great job? When you could just say amen and walk out the door and you really don't need anything else. So you may be asking yourself, does that mean, Ronnie, you're going to just pass on the sermon and let us get out of here early? Not a chance. I just felt, you know, when I'm, when I'm sitting over here, it's hard for me to get the sermon off my mind. It really is. And sometimes it's hard for me to engage in what's going on for that reason. Boy, I didn't have any trouble worshiping today. I mean, I just really felt a strong sense of the presence of God and just had a great time, you know, interacting with Him there. And I just appreciate this team and what they do. I appreciate each of you being here today. Last Sunday, I started a new series entitled No Regrets. I shared a story from the Old Testament with you, from the Old Testament book of Judges, chapter 6, 7, and 8. We read about God calling a man named Gideon to lead the Israelites into battle against their enemies. Soon after calling him, God led Gideon to sound a call to arms. And 32,000 men showed up to follow Gideon into battle. Under God's direction, Gideon allowed all of those men who were afraid to fight to just go back home. And 22,000 men walked away. Then God had Gideon sort the remaining 10,000 into two groups. Those who were ready for the battle and those who weren't. 9,700 men weren't ready for battle and God told Gideon to send the disqualified home as well. Then God used Gideon and the 300 remaining men to defeat their enemy in spite of overwhelming odds. Now at the conclusion of the story, we took note of the fact that there were 31,700 men who looked back on that event with regrets. while Gideon and his 300 men had no regrets. What made the difference? Gideon and the 300 made the most of an opportunity. The other 31,700 did not. From their example, we learn there's a couple of ways that we can live life. We can live a life that is filled with regrets, or we can live a life with no regrets. How do you do that? How do you live a life of no regrets? Make the most of opportunities today and you'll have no regrets tomorrow. Make the most of opportunities today and you'll have no regrets tomorrow. Now, what is an opportunity? Having an opportunity means the circumstances of life 
make it possible to do something that's probably going to benefit us and others as well. I believe that we are presented with opportunities every day. And guess what? In many cases, God himself creates these opportunities. Missing out on these opportunities leads to regret. Making the most of them, if we make the most of them, we have no regrets. So what does it take to make the most of opportunities? Five things. And this morning, I'm only going to share one with you, okay? What does it take to make the most of opportunities? Number one is recognition. To make the most of an opportunity, you've got to recognize it. You've got to recognize it for what it is. Why is this important? Opportunities are fleeting, typically speaking. They may very well be here one day and gone the next. Just like the opportunity the Israelites were given in the story that we looked at last week. God extended them an opportunity to partner with Him as He rescued them from their enemies. It was an opportunity to experience God firsthand. It was an opportunity to make things a lot better for a lot of people for a long time. One day the door was open, next day the door was closed. They had the chance. Unfortunately, most of the Israelites didn't recognize the opportunity until it was past. It's kind of like the old saying, if you see the bandwagon, you've probably missed it. It's, it's fairly easy to recognize opportunities in hindsight. Mark Twain once said, I was seldom able to see an opportunity until it had ceased to be one. To make the most of opportunities, we've got to recognize them while they are still, indeed, opportunities. How do we do that? I think it's pretty simple, really. Listen and look. Listen and look. Gideon easily recognized opportunity when it came knocking. How? He listened to the Lord. In Judges chapter 6, we read about a conversation Gideon had with the Lord. And in that conversation, God told him plainly, I've got an opportunity for you. Couldn't get any easier than that, could it? To recognize an opportunity, we must be listening to God. Ronnie, you ask, do you really believe that God is still speaking? Absolutely. Here's the thing, when God creates an opportunity for us, the next thing He's going to do is make us aware of that opportunity. And how, we will, how will He do that? He will tell us if we're listening. Problem is, as I see it, we're part of a generation of poor listeners. Therefore, I'm afraid we miss out on a lot of God-given opportunities. And if I'm right, we're like the 22,000 Israelites in the story. We're going to look back one day with regret over the opportunities that we have missed. I want you to think about this just a minute. Let's just, just let's imagine you've lost your job. And you you desperately need another job. So you sit down and you carefully craft a resume. And on that resume, you talk about your education. 
You talk about your past experiences, your successes. You outline your abilities and what you have to offer. And then you submit that resume all over the place. I mean, so you go to some businesses and you hand it into human resources in person. You're emailing it to other potential employers. But one of the things you forgot to do was put any contact information on the resume. Your name's not there, your phone number, your email address, your mailing address. You made no possible way for these employers to get back in touch with you and communicate with you about possible opportunities. Opportunities could abound, but you will never know because you didn't put yourself in a position to hear about the opportunities. To recognize opportunities, we must give God a chance to communicate with us. How? Why don't you listen carefully? Slow down. Take out the Bible. Invite God to speak to you. And read. Slow down. I believe that busyness is the arch enemy of hearing the voice of God. And I believe it's the primary reason that we're part of a generation of poor listeners. Take out the Bible. It's still the primary way that God is going to speak to you. Pray and invite Him to say whatever He wants to say to you. He's got something He's been wanting to say to you for a long time. And then as you read, I believe this. I believe God is going to speak and make you aware of opportunities that He's opened up for you. That's one way to listen. That's, how, you know, that's what happened with Gideon. It was a personal conversation between he and God. But what about the other Israelites? How were they supposed to know that God was including them in the opportunity? God told them to. And how did He do it? God told the rest of the Israelites through Gideon, he spoke to him first and said, now you speak for me and you tell them. The Bible is clear that God led Gideon to sound the call to arms and send messengers throughout the land, making everyone know of this impending battle. What was he doing? He was using a human being to make other people aware of an opportunity. You see, sometimes God speaks to us when we're re- alone, when we're reading and reflecting on the Bible. At other times, he's going to speak to us through someone else. God still occasionally speaks to us through people. Now, with all my heart and soul, it's my desire that every Sunday morning, I'm allowing God to speak through me. I spend long hours alone with God, praying and studying the Bible, I guess you could say. I spend most of my time every week listening to God so that when I come here on Sunday morning, I can speak for God. I'm doing everything in my power to be His faithful messenger. You know what that means to you? It means that God might very well use a sermon to make you aware of opportunities that he's opened up to you. I think he just did this. You know, back in the fall, Tim and I did a series here entitled Ready, Set, 
And in those sermons, I'm sure that God was making each of you aware of opportunities that he has set before you to make a big difference in a lot of lives for a long time. To hear God in a sermon, you've got to listen for him. Before you arrive on Sunday morning, or maybe before I begin to speak, just whisper this prayer quietly in your heart. God, speak to me. While old Ronnie's talking, I want to hear your voice, God. I need to hear from you. To recognize opportunities, we must listen. But to recognize opportunities, we must also look. To recognize an opportunity, we must, be, we must look very carefully or we're going to mistake an opportunity for an obligation. Ronnie, you ask, is there a difference? Yeah, opportunities look like blessings. Obligations look like burdens. Opportunities promise something. Obligations demand something. Opportunities are energizing. Obligations are draining. And what happens when we mistake opportunities for obligations? Well, think about our story last week. Gideon sounded a call to arms and 32,000 men showed up to form an army. Gideon then stood before his troops and said, If any of you would rather not be here, if your heart's just not in this, you got permission to leave and go home. No hard feelings. I got to think about that this week as I prepared. I mean, what if I did that this morning? If any of you would rather not be here, if you'd rather be somewhere else, if your heart's just not in this, if your heart is somewhere else, hey, you're off the hook. You can go. I wonder what it would look like. Gideon shared this, and to his dismay, 22,000 of his men left. Now, wait a minute. If their heart wasn't in it, if they really didn't want to be there, why did they show up? I think they showed up out of a sense of obligation. On multiple occasions, the Bible refers to these men as warriors. That's the word used to describe them. There was a war coming and therefore a call to arms. So what do warriors do? They report for duty. I believe these 23,000 men showed up out of a sense of obligation. It's just what warriors do. They were obligated. Therefore, when Gideon told them they didn't have to stay, they left in droves. Why? They left to get out of an unwanted obligation. They missed out on the opportunity of a lifetime because they saw it as an obligation. Thomas Edison once said, we often miss opportunity because it dresses in overalls and looks like work. Let's be honest. Who wants more obligations? I mean, did any of you, were you sitting around the house this week and, and, and you said to your spouse, you know what I wonder? I wonder if there's any, uh, any organizations in Oconee County that I could volunteer for. You know, I would like to be serving in a whole lot more areas. My, my to-do list is kind of shrinking and, and I'd like to add seven or eight more obligations to the list. Did you say that? No, I'm telling you what, nobody here said that. 
So if we mistake opportunity for obligation, what are we going to do? We're going to miss the opportunity thinking we're passing on another obligation. Let's imagine this afternoon you you get a text. And you open up that text and it reads, I understand that you've been grappling with a very difficult but important decision. Well, I know exactly what you need to do. And I'm willing to share it with you. Can you meet with me at Starbucks in the morning? Nine-ish. God. Huh? What would you think about that? If God himself invited you down to the Starbucks in the morning so that he could give you guidance so that he could give you direction in the most complicated area of your life. You know what you'd be? You would be so jacked up. You'd be running around showing everybody this text. Look, you you didn't know that I was somebody. God has invited me to sit down with him over coffee, and he wants to talk with me. You'd be thinking, what an opportunity. God. Let's say you check your voicemail this afternoon and there's this deep <laughs> bass voice. Says, I know that you've got needs. Well, I've got resources. I've got everything you need and I'm willing to share. All I ask is that you meet with me and tell me what you need. Can we do lunch tomorrow? Oh, yeah, this is God. What would you think if God himself invited you to have lunch and said, just what is it you need? Just tell me what you need. What is it that you see that others need? How can I help? Tell you what, you'd be stoked. Truth is, we have the opportunity to visit with God every day. Some of you are going to think this is a very negative sermon, but I'm I'm going somewhere positive. The truth is, we have that opportunity every day Yet I don't see a lot of people in the church excited about it. I actually don't know a lot of people in church who take advantage of this mind-blowing opportunity to communicate with God. Why wouldn't we do that? You know what? I'm convinced that we see this opportunity as an obligation. When you are referring to Bible reading or prayer, do you start the sentence off with, I ought to or I get to? You know, I know that I ought to be reading my Bible or I ought to be reading the Bible more and... You know, I I, I, I ought to, I ought to be praying more. I know that, I know I ought to. Is that what you say? Or do you say something like this? You say before you go to bed at night, maybe to your spouse, I cannot wait for the alarm to go off. Because with my coffee in the morning, I get to talk with God. 
You tell anybody at work, I cannot wait to get home, you know, get the kids down so that I can go into the den and get on the couch and talk with God. I can't wait because I get to talk to Him tonight. Is it I ought to or I get? The phrase I ought to refers to an obligation. The phrase I get to refers to an opportunity. You know why we're unfaithful to these things oftentimes? We see it as another obligation we got to add to a never-ending list of obligations, and we pass. And in doing so, folks, we're missing out on the absolute opportunity of a lifetime to visit with, talk with, and get to know God. Let's go back to this, this series, Ready, Set. I'm going to meddle for just a few minutes, okay? Do I have permission to do that? Don't need it, going to do it anyway. Now, in that series, we shared with you five words kind of outline five steps that God wants every believer to eventually take. The second word was connect. We learned this, that to keep growing, you've got to keep going. And sooner or later, everybody needs somebody to help them keep going. Therefore, we ought to build supportive relationships with other believers so that when they need us, we're there. And when we need them, they're there. And I said, you know, if you don't have those supportive relationships, maybe you ought to consider joining one of our life groups. If you don't know what a life group is, check out our website this afternoon. Now, you heard that. Did you perceive connecting as an obligation? Or an opportunity. If you referred to that sermon at all, did you go, you know, I know I I ought to get to know a few people better. You know, I ought to have some friends, some better friends in the Christian community. You know, I ought to be close enough to somebody that I would know when they're struggling and I could, I could be there to help them. And, and perhaps, I, you know, I need these supportive relationships and maybe I ought to join or try out one of those groups. Ought to. But you haven't yet. You know why? You perceive that to be an obligation rather than an opportunity. You looked at it and went, I cannot obligate myself to any more church meetings than I'm already doing. How should you have perceived it? As an opportunity. You mean I have an opportunity to really get to know some people well and allow them to know me so that perhaps friendships that last the rest of my life can form relationships that would enable somebody to be in close proximity to me when I need them and, and, and me to them when they need me. Man, you mean I get to do this? You say, you are meddling. Well, I'm not true. Let's keep going. The third word was serve. Tim got up here and he preached and he shared from the Bible with us that everybody's been given a special ability by God and that ability was given to them so that they could use it to help others. And he outlined areas in our church where you can use this special ability. Now, how did you perceive that? Did you perceive that as an obligation? Or an opportunity? 
If he referred back to it, did you say something like, I know it takes a lot of people to do church right. I know that. And, uh, you know, I know I ought to do something. I know I ought to do more. But you haven't yet. You know why? Your language has betrayed you. You saw that as an obligation. And you thought, I cannot add one more obligation to my to-do list. How should you have perceived it? You mean this church is going to allow me to use this gift? Working with others using their gift so that we can make a profound, enduring, a positive change in the, in the lives of other human beings? You mean I get to do that? Fourth word was give. We learned that all God's people throughout the course of time have been givers and they've always financed God's work and they always will. And When we talked about giving, did you perceive that to be an obligation or an opportunity? Did you walk away and go, you know, I know it takes money to do church and we really ought to be doing something or, you know, we ought to be doing more, I guess. But you haven't started yet. You know why? You perceived giving to be an obligation and you looked and you said, with all the financial obligations I already have, how can I add one more obligation the list. How should you have seen it? As an opportunity. You mean I have the opportunity. I get to invest in God's work, watch God take that money and use it to transform lives and then give me a return on my investment that beats anything going. You mean I get to do that? Did you view those steps as an opportunity or an obligation? Recognizing opportunities is the first step to seizing opportunities. Once you begin to say, I get to, it's not long before you say, I want to. Every day. God gives us the opportunity to get to know Him better every day. And if not every day, most days, God gives us the opportunity to make a real difference in someone else's life. Are we making the most of these opportunities? Or missing out on most of these opportunities? If we're missing opportunities, the problem could be our perception. Before we pass on what we see as one more unwanted obligation, we need to step back and take a closer look. It might be an opportunity. 
it might just be the opportunity of a lifetime. To make the most of an opportunity, you've got to recognize them before the door to opportunity closes. If we don't learn to do that, guys, we're going to come to the end of our lives and look back with a ton of regret. Now, some of you may not have appreciated what I've said and the way I've said it this morning. That's okay, because I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking. I'm thinking of you. And I'm looking out there to the end of your life and mine, our time on this earth, when we all have to stand before Christ and give an account of what we did on this earth. I didn't do this for me. What have I got to gain? Truth is, you have everything to gain. And a whole lot to lose. That day is coming. It's coming for you and it's coming for me. And there, I'm telling you what, just like these, the 31,700 men could look back in hindsight and say, well, we blew that, didn't we? Too late to go back and change it. I don't want you to have that encounter at the end of this life when Jesus unfurls before you all the opportunities you had and what could have been, but unfortunately now what never will be because the opportunities were missed. So we've got we to learn to recognize them. That's step number one. So from this point on, we're going to do a better job of keeping our ears open to God. So that when He speaks and identifies opportunities, we get it. That was God. This is something He wants me to do. We're going to look carefully. Before we say no to something, we're going to take a careful look at it and make sure that it's not just an unwelcome obligation that's going to weight us down. We're going to make sure, before we say no, we're going to make sure that it's not a God-given opportunity. We're going to listen and look. And what does it take? It takes recognition. That's not all it takes. Because it could be that you and I stare opportunity right in the face recognize it for what it is, and still not make the most of it. It takes more than this. And so, Ronnie, what does it take? I can't tell you now. That's what We're going to talk about that next Sunday. But next Sunday, we're going to see where to go from here. Once you recognize the opportunity, what does it take to make the most of it? Because you know what our goal is? You know what our aim is? We want to live the rest of our lives with no regrets. You with me? Let's pray together. Father, I do not, for the life of me, understand why you would create an opportunity with any of us in mind. But you do. In your grace, you just create opportunity after opportunity for us to be blessed, for us to draw near to you, for us to be a blessing to someone else. 
Thank you for that. Now help us do this. Help us slow down. Help us to listen carefully. Help us pay attention. Help us to evaluate things more carefully that come our way. Give us the wisdom and the discernment to, to, to be able to distinguish between an opportunity and an obligation. And God, there are things we need to say no to. Help us see those things for what they are. And then there are things we need to say yes to. And I pray that you'll give us the ability to recognize those things for what they are. And help us begin to make good decisions. And help us begin to capitalize on the opportunities that you send our way. Maybe it's time to sit down and review that to-do list. Maybe we've obligated to our, ourselves to some things that are taking spots that should be reserved for opportunities you've created for us. There's some things you wanted us to say yes to. We missed it. Help us step back and look at this again. Lord, I know what you want. You want us all living lives that are regret-free. God, it's what I want for this church. So help us to take your word and embrace it. So that when the time comes and we depart this earth, we can look back over our life lived with no regrets. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You are dismissed. Be blessed. Be a blessing.